are listening to the Padawan Perspective Podcast, a multi-generational Star Wars experience. Brought to you by the Star Wars Report 2nd Airborne Division Podcast Network. With your hosts, Mark, Barrett, Taylor, and Farrow. Join us as we discuss the Rebels TV show on Disney XD, as well as Star Wars fandom across the galaxy. On the Padawan Perspective, the multi-generational podcast of the Star Wars Report 2nd Airborne Podcast Division. Welcome to the Padawan Perspective, your multi-generational podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jedi Master Mark Erleman, and joining you today, we have Padawan daughter, Taylor Jade. Hello. As well as my son, Gavin. Hello. And also joining us from our Southern Cali Jedi Enclave, we have Jedi Master Baron Lawton and his Padawan, Pharaoh. The Force is with us. It's good to be back. It's always good to be back. Yeah, you guys are sporting some new technology, huh? You guys uh, went and got your Slicer Academy uh, certification or something? Got the Nintendo Switch or Slap or something like that? Yeah, I, I've been playing that Zelda game like nonstop. You know... Oh, Gavin's jealous. Uh, well, you know, our Padawan got straight A's and a 4.0 on this last semester. So I went ahead and pre-ordered the the Switch. was only up for a pre-order for a couple days, I understand. But you have oh, to mom. do the pre-order. You, you have to. You got to go with the pre-order because I think they're all sold out now. So my Padawan was very happy at the end of the day when his uh, Jedi Master Mother showed up with the Switch and got to show it off to a few of his friends. Why don't you tell him about that? That day, uh, my mom picked me up from school, and she was driving away, but she went out the front way of the school, and that's where everyone like walks out. So as soon as we started driving out, I just had the switch in the car. I was like, hey, Alex! Hey, um, hey, Daniel! Hey, Mike! Like, and I was just like, I got the switch. Nothing like showing <laughs> off a new lightsaber, right? <laughs> yeah, close enough. Look who's got the darksaber! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yes. Speaking of masters and apprentices, though, Gavin, why don't you uh, tell us what episode we're going to be discussing today? Visions and Voices is the 11th episode and the winter finale of the animated television series Star Wars Rebels, third season. It aired December 10th, 2016 on Disney XD. Visions and Voices... Haunted by visions of Maul, Ezra must journey across the galaxy to engage in a strange ritual to sever his connection to Maul. The official description is Maul returns, looking to finally unlock the secrets that he and Ezra desire. Dun dun dun! Now you guys actually looked up the iTunes one, correct? Which turns out to be the same one that they're putting on our local charter. The uh, one that, that Pharaoh read, right? Yes, we have ditched cable so we use the apple tv and that we have to use the itunes it is interesting that they have two different descriptions and it's even funnier that the one that they're using at the official starwars.com is the one that's so stripped down and bare i mean like you know inside man that one gave you nothing <laughs> yeah nothing it's like two sentences on some of them now uh we've already talked about it this one is definitely a a fun little ride i like the fact that this one does kind of a transition it's more of an ezra kanan story but it's got a little sabine twist and as the episodes progress further 
I was thinking about it when I was rewatching this. This one really serves as a prequel to the next three or four episodes we're going to get that focus more on Sabine. So it's interesting the way that they use this story to progress that along as they went. There are things about this that really strike out. You know, we've got the, the mentioning of the apprentice angle with Maul showing up and, and wanting to claim Ezra again. I mean, it starts out, it's literally the name title. We see Ezra, they're doing a briefing there and he's seeing visions of Maul. He's hearing voices of Maul and it affects him profoundly. I mean, it, it takes him out for a moment. There was a moment when all that was going down where I was like, okay, is this the force at work or is this Maul? And of course, clearly it's more Maul. But we go on from there, of course, and we find that they go to the Bendu to find out what's going on, mentioning, you know, hey, we mix the Sith holocron, the Jedi holocron. He again warned them, you know, there's there's dangers there as well as secrets. Uh, and that's where Ezra mentioned, you know, well, we did we did learn some stuff, but I didn't learn at all. So he's going to go back with Maul. And that's when Maul showed up, which was an interesting twist as well. But I don't know. There was a lot of stuff going on in the first half of this, but nowhere near as much as the second half. Ezra, like, early in the episode, like, it kind of creeped me out. Like, he was he was just all over the place, and he attacked uh, an innocent civilian, you know? <laughs> it was almost like a, a horror episode where it kind of started off, right? Can I have, like, Maul was kind of the ghost creeping around and... And Ezra was almost kind of possessed, where he attacked somebody. It, it, it kind of had a different vibe. I, I kind of agree with you there, Padawan. Yeah, when Kanan and Sabine also get possessed, Sabine's eyes, those were creepy. Them glowing really bright, like a vibrant greenish yellow. And Barry, you mentioned, you know, it being a horror type episode. And it really picked that up right from the beginning. I mean, when Ezra collapses from the visions and stuff, there's no dun, 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 dun. It's just like the ominous fading out of what little music there was. And there wasn't any music. It was just the logo. Uh, and then, of course, when we get to Dathomir, I think it was really cool going back to Dathomir. Anytime we're on Dathomir and, and you deal with the Night Sisters and what was going on there, it seems to just naturally be a creepy place. And the reason they went there, of course, in this case, is because it was a, a place of dark energy and stuff, a place where they could ground that kind of energy. You did have the sense that Maul was terrified throughout the episode. Of course, we find out later why because he promised the spirits of the Night Sisters, you know, some flesh. There was a lot to promise here. I mean, we get, in a sense, dark side force ghosts. Granted, they are limited to a tainted area and only on Dathmer at this moment. You know, that opens a realm of things there. In the place that Maul and Ezra were in, when Ezra was walking towards, like, the dark saber and that poster, you could see um his Mandalorian helmet and how it was, like, all thorns and stuff, and there was, like, two there. Yeah, so so if you haven't seen this episode, he's referring to when they get to Dathomir and you basically find out Maul's been living or camping here for some time. And it's definitely after everything that happened with the Maldalorians, his faction of Mandalorians that went with him, the Death Watch faction. We see his red helmet like Gavin describes. We see his uh, red Maldalorian ship, which I would love to see a Hot Wheel toy of. Uh, and there was like a little altar kind of thing where the Darksaber was sitting on the altar in front of a, a scrawled painting type thing of Sabine, uh, or I mean Satine, uh, which was the uh, the Mandalorian leader of the pacifist faction from the Clone Wars. That was a good observation on Dathomir. I think one of the things that I like the most about Dathomir is when they get close to that cave, you see the statues of the Night Sisters that were holding the roof up, and some of them were complete, and most of them were broken. And it made me think about the fact that at this point in the timeline, the book Dark Disciple, which gives us the fate of Asajj Ventress has already came and gone. So Maul technically, legitimately, is the last of the Night Sisters and the Night Brothers. 
which is definitely something unique for you and I, Barrett, because, you know, we grew in the era of Legends where the Dathomir people weren't wiped out completely. It wasn't like a planet barren and desolate of all life. There were still, you know, the the Force Witches, the Night Sisters still had a clan still rolling. But in this canon, it definitely seems like the planet's been wiped out. So there's a unique aspect to that that adds to that horror-type element. And like Taylor said, we see the possession. So there's a lot going on here. You know, I really don't remember Dathomir. The last time we were on Dathomir, Count Dooku was attacking the Night Sisters, and from then I can't I can't really remember much of it. It's kind of cool to go back there and seeing like the red atmosphere. It's it's a it's a spooky place. They kind of explained a little bit more on how the Night Sisters use their magic because I remember talking about it during Republic Forces Radio Network. We said, "Are they really using the Force? Is it magic? Is it Force use?" You know, do they use magic in the Star Wars universe, or is it really the force that people don't understand? You know, the Ewoks kind of have a magic that they've kind of used the force too in the Ewok cartoon series. Darth Maul kind of states it here that they use aspects of the force, but they're more connected to the planet. Again, Disney's kind of blurring the line with the force, but I really like going back to Dathomir and I really like seeing the green energy, the green Night Sister force magic. That was pretty cool. One thing that I noticed was near the end when Ezra broke Kanan and Sabine out of the spell, Ezra was talking about a planet with two suns. They didn't know what planet it was, but Maul like immediately he knew what it was because he's been there before. That was something both me and Gavin really jumped out on because Kanan alludes, well, we've got to get there before Maul figures it out. But when you listen to what Maul is saying, he's talking about it's it's going back to the beginning where it all began, the planet with the twin suns, the desert world. Maul was there. It all ends where it begins. Yes, so, so Maul knows exactly what planet. So Maul's already got a head start. For me, it took me forever to even get there. When they first said the two suns, I thought it was meaning like actual twin boys and so, uh, yeah, it took me forever to realize what they were meaning there. See, and, and Legends would play with that a lot. They would have, like, Luke Skywalker had a twin sun squadron. And then there were a lot of prophecies that talked about twin sons, like the way you're mentioning it as actual children. The KOTOR game playing with it as well, where the uh, the Emperor Vivitat had twin sons. And one of them was represented the light, one of them represented the, the darkness. Yeah. So they played that in there, and that was a, a, because it was a prophecy, it kept coming back up every time there was any kind of twin action. Wasn't that like the video of where the white one kills the black yeah. one and he's all robot? Yep, yep, yeah. that is that one, yes. Baron, you were talking about old magic and the green and stuff. And, you know, I, I definitely I feel like there has to be an aspect of the Force. And I like the fact that Maul actually calls it flat out that. And the witch magic, it's always been the creepiest. I mean, we've seen in the past on the Clone Wars, we've seen them resurrect the dead. Now we're seeing bodies taken over. The bodies are talking. They're saying flat out, you know, hey, we Maul promised us bodies that we're going to be able to rebuild the Night Sisters with. Which it's kind of like, okay, if you're stuck in the cave, like, how is that going to work? Or do they have other spells that allows them to maybe, say, create an amulet and you're able to travel away from the cave as long as you have the amulet on you? I mean, there's a lot of questions there that raise just with the fact that they're willing to use bodies to come back from the dead. And then the fact that they're Darksiders, I mean, that's huge. That is something that right now in canon, they're currently still stepping away from. That was a very Legends thing. Legends has always had Darkside Force ghosts. And that is something that canon has always steered clear of. And now this, in a sense, is kind of getting us back to that, don't you think? 
Oh, it is definitely a dark side force ghost. What else could it be? That's exactly what it is. And they're canon, and I feel good about it. So I guess the question we should ask the Padawans today, then, is if these could be considered dark side force ghosts, do you think the potential for Palpatine's spirit to live on after what we see in Return of the Jedi, like we saw with Legends with the Dark Empire series where he came back into a clone body. When he died, that was the blast we saw coming out of the shaft, and it took that spirit a long time to get back to the center of the galaxy, and he found his cloning facilities, and he took over body. Do you think that we could see something similar in that regard with Palpatine's spirit? I feel like it could be similar in that way, well, I don't know. Uh, Yoda was a Force ghost for like two movies. <laughs> Why should the Jedi have a lock on Force ghosts? You know, do you think that the Sith should have, you know, get a chance or should the evil just die? Well, that's just the thing. I mean, it is definitely something that most of us don't think about. Aftermath, Empire's End, the current canon book that just came out, uh, they even mess with the readers in that where they have a scene where the guy in charge, Gallius Rax, is talking to someone else, and he tells them, Palpatine's spirit's coming back. We're finding a way to return him to the flesh again. And then, of course, you know, he goes on to say that he, he has no intention of doing this. It's all a ruse. But it was a moment where you're like, whoa, are they really going to go there? You think about the Clone Wars season, uh, was it season six, where they had it on Netflix, where we go back to Moraband. Not Korriban from Legends, but a new Sith homeworld. And we see Darth Bane's spirit. Like this one, they were on a place that was heavy in the dark side. Uh, and they seemed to be limited. Whereas the Jedi ones, the only examples we really have is Qui-Gon's voice. And then later Yoda and Obi-Wan. So at this point, even Obi-Wan and Yoda haven't actually mastered that technique and learned. I mean, Yoda's still figuring it out. Uh, Yoda may have at this point mastered it, but we really don't know. When they do it, they had to practice really hard. Yoda had to go through some trials to prove he was worthy enough to learn the secret. We don't know how Qui-Gon came across it. There was definitely some trials to it, whereas it seems like with the dark side users and stuff, they're being very forceful, which was always the thing in Legends. It was, you know, the Jedi were self-sacrificing, they served others, whereas the Sith served themselves and everything about what they were doing is purely selfish. When they tried to retain their form, it was all through selfish means. And so, like, you would see Sith like Darth Ruin, uh, whose body was just completely destroyed and held together by anger. Heck, Darth Maul's even a, a perfect example of that. Maul got cut in half, and the only thing that kept him alive was his rage. And when we saw him first, he was what? He was a spider. Like, he built himself into, like, spider legs. Yes. He used trash. He used everything that was available and the dark side, his anger. So there's definitely something there for the Sith. And I think that due to the way that they're accessing it and the way that they're using it and the way that they're coming across, it's limiting them. You know, I mean, like we saw, we they couldn't leave the cave. So Ezra found a pretty clever way of getting them out. He had uh, used a force to push. Was it push or was she, he pulling her? He pushed. Yeah, he pushed her out of the cave. And it, like there was like this wall almost. It was the sunlight. He pushed Sabine out into the light. The spirit kind of like came out of her <laughs> yeah so i think there's something there definitely when ezra got sabine and kanan away from the spirits and all that and destroyed the rock bed ezra was told sabine to stay there and then she comes out and says something and then ezra's all like i told you to stay there and she's like i never listened to you so why would i start now that made me laugh really hard once again because i have very funny humor sometimes but yeah <laughs> 
they also had that moment where Sabine did that with uh, Kanan at the beginning. She's like, how, how did Hera leave? Oh, I told her I had a plan. She believed you? <laughs> yeah. my, my favorite part of the episode was probably when Ezra ran, ran in there after Kanan, after like Sabine, her the spirit went out of her, and then Ezra went inside of the cave. And then he he told her, or he told the spirit sisters, like, get out of my friend's body. And they did that. And then they say, they're like, you owe us your flesh or something like that. And then he's like, I guess I'll owe yeah. you later. And he just destroys it with the Darksaber and his regular lightsaber. That was, a, that was a cool moment. Yeah, Ezra's really stepped up as a Jedi, right? I mean, he's really fearless. Basically, he's stepping into that cave, going against some ghosts. You know, and he has a, a, a hunch on how to beat him. But how do you really beat some ghosts? You know, they're already dead. And he goes in there fearless to go save his master. I, I I think that was a pretty cool moment too, my Padawan. Yeah, Taylor, you mentioned Sabine crawling on the wall like a, a spider. And one of the things that jumped out about that for me was, okay, she's got, as far as we know, no inherent force abilities that allow her to stick to the wall like that. Uh, she's got no technology in her gauntlets or in her shin pads on her armor that allow her to do that. Clearly, that's a manifestation of the dark side possession, the spirit, uh, which was interesting because I wouldn't expect them to be able to affect things in that way. I mean, we watch them using, you know, the bodies. We watch them using the the lightsabers and stuff. But that kind of gives you a sense that they could still manipulate the force or forces of nature. One thing that I noticed was when Sabine started to fight Ezra, she was using the dark saber. I'm glad you noticed that. That that's what I was talking about at the beginning about how you know this episode kind of does a shifting for her because what does she grab right there at the very end? Yes, she comes back and she pockets the dark saber. We'll find out more about that in some coming episodes. But it was so subtly done. I mean, we'll come back to this conversation when we get to these episodes later. But I mean, it really was when you think about it. I mean, we go from Sith and Jedi lore. We bring her in. So you've got that Mandalorian connection. And now we've got the Darksaber and it's back in her hands. It's like, where do we go from here? In the grand scheme of things, as somebody who's seen a couple episodes ahead, I think they did it so smoothly that you didn't even realize that we were shifting gears. One of my favorite parts was actually seeing where Darth Maul lives. Because one of the big questions out there was, where's Darth Maul going? Where's he at been all this time? He's been right there on Dathomir. I didn't see what I thought I was going to see, but I still thought it was kind of cool to know that Darth Maul was kind of using Dathomir as a base all this time. This for me, I don't I don't know about Barrett if this gets him as excited as me. The promise here, guys, is there was a legend story called Visions, and in it, Darth Maul with robotic legs, he's older, he's got a longer set of crown horns. He comes to Tatooine to hunt down Obi-Wan Kenobi. He finds Obi-Wan and finds young little Luke Skywalker and is going to wipe them all out and Kenobi and him fight. To me, this is promising to come back to that. I mean, everything about bringing Maul back to some form or fashion, they have kind of linked elements of Maul to that story in Visions called Old Wounds. Uh, So I think that's the confrontation we're going to be heading towards. But personally... I think that that when they get to that fight, I think it's going to be one of those Maul has to die, and I think Kenobi has to do it, mainly just because that was the way canon meant to be. I mean, he was the one that took down the Sith. Luke Skywalker, if he's in it, he can't be that young because Princess Leia is already like a teenager, so... So you're, you're thinking that Luke won't show up, or are you thinking that we might actually see a 
15-year-old Luke like we're seeing a 15-year-old Leia. When you mentioned a small Luke, I thought of like a six-year-old Luke or something. He wouldn't be like that young or whatever. He would be like older because it's been a while since like that episode with Leia in it. So it's like Leia grew up more. Yeah. He's calling you out. No, no. Gavin, in the old wound story, Luke was younger than he was in this continuity. In this one, he is a lot older. You're right. He is the same age as Leia. So, yeah. If we go there... So, so okay, I guess that's the question for Around the Room is when we get to Tatooine, will we see Luke? Yes. And Maul will die and perish in a hole. That sounded really vivid. Um, yes. Luke probably will show up. Would it be cool if Luke is the one that actually helps Ben and kills Maul? That, that would be cool. I think if they put Luke in the episode, he'd be more of a cameo rather than an actual part of it. I don't see why Luke can't be in there. We've already seen Leia. He's, oh. Why is he the sacred one? Why can't he be used? Yes, I honestly think they might bring him in, but I think they also might introduce a new droid because when he like first got C-3PO and R2-D2, didn't he trade one of the droids and stuff yeah. like that? Well, he got an R5 droid that had a bad motivator, but you because do, you, yeah, because it blew up, but you do circle around something. They had a need for a new droid. So maybe they had a droid that during the fight with Maul, Kenobi, and maybe Luke, that droid gets taken out, and therefore they need to get another droid later. Kind of like, kind of like how we saw Rogue or Red Five get taken out in Rogue One, and so we know, like, hey, there's an opening for Luke later. I mean, to answer Barrett's question though, I think Luke, if he doesn't show up. I think it's that aspect of when we see Luke Skywalker for the first time as the hero in this saga, we need to have it be that moment when we see him with the twin sons for the first time. You know, like like that moment in episode four should be that moment, aside from when he's a little baby and he goes off in hiding. I'm kind of wanting to see it now. I mean, you throwing in there that maybe Luke has a hand in taking down Maul, like, like that's that's pretty impressive. Like, hey, you know, like one of his first acts, he wasn't even a fully trained Jedi, and he had a hand in taking out a Sith Lord. Like, I'm down. Well, you know, Luke is the only one who they haven't used, and he's been such an important character in the Star Wars universe. Why haven't they used him? And if they were going to use him, I would think that Filoni would be the one to get the green light. I mean, he's used so many other characters so successfully that Disney would trust him to bring in Luke and, and we can see him in a different light. If he is in, he's, he cannot know anything about the Force. He cannot see a lightsaber, you know, things like that. It would have to be in a capacity to where he thinks he's helping out Kenobi in some other way. But I, I don't see why... Luke can't be used. He's very important. I mean, everybody wants to see that blonde Lannister hair. You know, bring on <laughs> Luke. <laughs> well, one thing that I like about Star Wars is when it's going through the movies, how it like goes back and reconnects a part that you missed and you don't understand about the movie, how they go back and like tell you how it all connects together as one big like circle. Gavin's a, th a fan of the ring theory there. <laughs> you know, so the only other thing I wanted to talk about Padawans, or one of the other things, is the Bendu's back. We get to see the Bendu. Hello, Kanan Jaras. And he's not really doing anything this time, right? They, they kind of go get his advice when Ezra is seeing the visions of Maul, and all he kind of tells them to do is just turn around and look at Maul. Thanks, Bendu. 
I don't. I, I mean, Bendu. He he wasn't in the episode for more than like a good what thirty seconds, and then he just disappears out of nowhere. I mean, he didn't really do anything. He's just like, look. I don't think. You. I don't even think it was thirty seconds. He all he said it was, was really short. It was all he said was I told you so. Like thanks, because I'm sure you got you Padawans love it when the when the masters when your Jedi masters us. Just tell you I told you so. And then disappear out of sight. And then disappear and let you <laughs> deal with it on your own. So Ezra and Kanan, when they first came over to meet the Bendu, the Bendu was all like, what's up, basically. And like in teenage terms and stuff like that, he's all, what were you doing? What are you doing here? And Ezra turned around. I want to stop seeing them all. And then he's all like, well, then you probably shouldn't turn around. And Ezra and Kanan kind of just gave each other like the look when you see your best friend and when somebody's really annoying you and stuff like that. And then you slowly turn around and then there's just Maul. And now you can continue on what you were saying. Well, yeah. And when Maul showed up, that was the part for me that was really hard to swallow. I'm like, really? Like, you know, the, the, the messing with Ezra was okay. And then it suddenly made sense. Well, clearly it is Maul doing it, but it's like, Wow, man, the cojones on that guy. I mean, and he doesn't even have cojones, I don't think. But, I mean, still, <laughs> I'm just like, Maul, really? You're going to, like, be hanging out just waiting for an opportunity? The fact that the Bindu is, like, okay with the Sith knowing about him, too, it's kind of telling of, of how powerful he is. You know, it doesn't matter that Jedi know his secret. doesn't matter that Sith know his secret. And the fact that Maul was all like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody where your rebel base is, but if you have me killed, which Kanan's all like, you're not leaving this planet in one piece, if you have me killed, like, well, then I'm going to have the, the base coordinates that will be transmitted. So, you know, you don't want to kill me. But it was a great moment, except for the fact that I was just like, I don't know if that would be how I would want to bring myself out if I was the bad guy. Well, one thing that I don't get is that Ezra kept on seeing visions of Darth Maul and he wasn't actually there and then out of nowhere he just appears when they were talking to the Bendu. I didn't really get that. I'm all, where did he come from? Like, n nobody saw his ship. He couldn't have just walked to where they were going. That's where it was implied that Maul was doing it all through the Force. Maul was hey, messing with him. New, new theory, the Bendu is working with Darth Maul and then like <laughs> it's just Whoa, no 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 say, say that again wait a minute let me let me choose that again say it again for me one more time with feeling okay new theory the bendu is actually working with the sith they're working with dark he's working with darth maul too that is just that's that's almost like the big wolf that was helping the nothing in the never-ending story <laughs> well, it's not too far-fetched because the Bendu says that he's the one in the middle. And we, we even mentioned that. We're like, you know, he's not very evil. If it's he's the one in the middle, he's really only helping out the good guys. What if he is the one in the middle? What if he did summon Maul there? What if he knows that the Force needs both sides and it needs practitioners of both sides, maybe? Like he's the god and they're all his little servants when they come to talk to him, bowing down to him. I don't necessarily think the Jedi would do that, but I do think that there would be cultures out there that would easily see the Bendu or this Bendu or, you know, the species of Bendu and easily come to a conclusion like that based on, you know, what exactly it is that they're doing and what it means to be in the middle. I mean, if he's taking, like, say, a father role, like from the Clone Wars and Mortis, where you had the daughter representing the light and you had the son representing darkness and the father was the one that kept them in balance, you could have something very similar like that. Maybe the Bendu could have been a chosen one. Okay, another point that I was kind of like, I was wondering about was that, you know, as soon as Darth Maul shows up, 
Kanan just kind of lets Ezra go with him, just like lets him leave with Darth Maul without saying anything really. Why? And, and then after that, Kanan was like, like, why does Ezra still trust Darth Maul? Kanan just let him go with with Darth Maul, like not even. Yeah, that's true. You know, I barely let my Padawan go down to GameStop. I definitely well, it, wouldn't be letting my Padawan go with Darth Maul somewhere. And it was implied that, that he let him do it, yeah, because of the tracker. But for me and Baron's perspective, it's like, well, so do you let the serial killer take your son down to the video store just because you've got your son GPS? Like, <laughs> there's still the threat there. Enough about Maul to realize Maul is not going to kill Ezra. The worst part about what Maul represents is that he can corrupt Ezra. And I think that what we're seeing here from Kanan is an ultimate act of faith and trust in his Padawan. He feels like he has has put his Padawan in a place now where those type of temptations, at least he hopes and, and is praying that his teaching has done good, but that he's taught Ezra enough to have enough shields up that Ezra's not going to fall victim to a lot of easy manipulations. Now, granted, Maul could, you know, we really haven't seen the depths of Maul's, you know, manipulations here. I mean, we know he can take control of factions. We know he can manipulate people one-on-one, but how far is he willing to twist up a relationship like Kanan and Ezra's. You know, one of the things I mentioned to my Padawan was they really don't know who Maul is. You had said that Kanan might know who Maul is. I mean, they kind of know who Maul is because of their own interactions. But at the end of episode one, when Obi-Wan Kenobi kills Maul and he's in front of the Jedi Council, they don't know who Maul is. They they don't know who the Sith Lord is. They just assume that he was a Sith Lord and they assume that there's another one out there because there's always two. But did they record? it did they let anybody know about it what did they even know to even tell anybody they don't know that maul killed qui-gon jinn they don't know about that they don't know that that maul was a sith apprentice I, they just know that maul is a dark side user I, they don't even call himself darth maul anymore he just calls himself maul why not trust this guy he, they're ju- he's just as trustworthy as hondo you know and hondo's not nearly as ruthless as maul as far as i'm concerned well but the difference there okay so let's let's just say maul to kanan is the same as hondo the only difference that i'm seeing right here is hondo is more the easy manipulations the quick money whereas maul is dealing with dark antiquities <laughs> you know like like he's the one that's he's not trading just some artifact he's trading the artifact that wipes out civilizations you know you're like wait a minute like dude you got like a little dark asphyxiation here he's almost like the dr afro of his time <laughs> so you're gonna have to explain to the padawans who darth afro is no i, I know it's darth afro. <laughs> you're gonna have to explain so, to the padawans who darth afro is so darth afro she shows up in the recent marvel comics the new canon she is in the darth vader series she is a lady who in a sense is like indiana jones she's an archaeologist when we first see her she's looking for these components for these droids she gets the droids going and it's basically a c-3po type protocol droid an r2d2 type protocol droid but they're assassin droids she is like the dark version of luke with a dark 3po and a dark r2 and vader calls upon them to basically be his b squad you know, like I'm doing a bunch of stuff over here. The emperor knows I'm doing stuff over here. So I need you to go way over there and take care of something for me on the DL. I don't want anybody to know what's going on. She's kind of shown up a few times. In fact, she's going to have a crossover with Luke Skywalker in the main line here, uh, I think, in the next few weeks or so at the time of this release. So she's definitely a character that started out as just a side character and has grown into something more. 
Padawans, let's go ahead and give our final thoughts on this episode. For my final thought for this episode, it was an interesting episode. Some parts I guess you could get bored with, but some of them, like, it's all intriguing at the exact same time in, like, multiple different ways. So what would you give it out of a 1 through 10? Probably 7 or 8. All right. I thought it was good. It had a creepy vibe to it. I'm okay with like two or three bits of creepy, but not like an eight or a seven. I don't like that. Like zombies invading your house and eating everyone in your family. I don't like that. I would rank it like, um, uh, uh, like a five and a half to a six. Yeah, for those of you that don't have a camera, no. Yeah, he was uh, giving that a real hard thought. For me, I, I want to say I'm I'm probably going to give it a higher score. I'm going to go, say, probably an 8. I really like lore. I really feel like this one did a good job with the lore. Uh, I like the fact that we had Sabine there. You know, no joke there that I'm a Sabine fan. I like anytime she shows up. Seeing the Darksaber come back, that was something awesome. And it for me, it was the little things, the little nuances to old episodes and stuff like that. Having it all show up, that's great. That, I think, to me, that's what really pushes this episode. Uh, you know, Maul showing up was awesome. But it wasn't so much Maul being there as the little things that came with Maul. You know, like Barrett had said, you know, seeing where he was living, seeing the Darksaber there, seeing Satine's, uh, you know, painting, seeing the Mandalorian helmet, seeing him still having the red Mandalorian ship. Those kind of things were all things that really appealed to me. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I like the Bendu, but honestly, I, at this point, I'm kind of hoping for more. And I think the Bendu aspect is probably the weakest part for me. I like this episode, but I have to agree with Gavin. It was, it was, it was kind of a different term. It was sort of like kind of a creepy thing because they have ghosts now or spirits. And that's, that's like new to, to Rebels. They've never really shown that before. And I thought this was a better episode. Um, I'd give this, like, a 7. I think the lore was pretty solid, and we learned a lot in this episode. It wasn't, like, a filler episode. It was, like, a real episode where you actually learn things about the, the cast. And I'm going to have to agree with you. It, was, it wasn't it was a filler episode. We did learn. We, we visited. We went back to a place that was pretty important place in the Clone Wars. It's where we got Savage Press. And I'm pretty surprised that they he wasn't mentioned. Darth Maul kind of tried to force Ezra into being his apprentice by saying, we should be brothers. And when he said that, you kind of saw the longing in Darth Maul's eyes, you know. But he never said Savage Press. He never said his name. I would give this episode a good seven. It was definitely a good seven. We learned a little bit more about the Force. We got to see the Night Sisters back. Mark, I loved it what you called it. It was basically a dark Force ghost. Mm-hmm. And Maul. I mean, I, I've said it before. Anytime that Maul is in the episode, it's a good episode. I don't trust Maul. He knows where the Rebel base is. He's not just going to let that slide. We know Maul is evil. No matter what he's trying to portray, no matter, no matter how much Filoni wants us to forget how evil Maul is, he, he, he can't be trusted. I'm not sure coming up if... Obi-Wan is actually going to kill Maul. This is definitely one episode that I could watch. I'll have to watch over again to just get the little nuances. Okay, so before we end it off, I'm confused on the ending of The Clone Wars and Savage Oppressed. The last episode of The Clone Wars was Maul and Savage fighting the Emperor and then both getting shocked. And then there was nothing after that. Okay, that's a great question. Now, this... For those of you new to our show, this actually was addressed back on Rebels Roundtable. What we have, and I'll show it to you, Gavin, afterwards, is there's a comic 
that takes place after that. So the episode Gavin's referring to was, I want to say it's in season five of the actual, was it the last episode of season five? All right. No, it can't be the last episode of season five because that was with Ahsoka. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. You'll go back and show me, but I'm pretty sure you're mistaken. <laughs> but anyway, we see Savage get killed by Lord Sidious. No. Yes. He just today. Not today. He was killed. Just, it was implied. Just, He's dead. No. Okay. We just see him and Maul getting shocked. Savage was killed by Sidious, and then Maul is taken prisoner. We see Maul then get freed by Sarga- uh, Gar Saxon. The same Gar Saxon that we later see in Rebels. He frees Maul. And then Maul takes over the Mandalorians. Okay. And then he ends up showing up back in Rebels. Yes. And I will show you. It's it's a great little comic. In fact, it's the only comic that bridges Legends and Canon. It was the only comic that Dark Horse Comics did that is Canon. So it has a very unique place in our history. Padawans, that about wraps up this show this time. We have a contest going out, don't we, Padawans? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We had originally decided that we were going to let the contest go for one week. The contest sponsored by our sponsor, War Machine Marketing, and is going to be basically a custom figure of the winner. And how do you enter the contest, Padawans? What you have to do is you have to draw a picture of what you would like the figure to be or describe it in words. In a haiku. Or in a haiku, yes. Describe what you want your thing to be in a haiku and... Send that over to our Facebook and Instagram. Set Facebook Twitter. or Twitter. Interesting. And speaking of Facebook, guys, you can also uh, send us messages there. We have it set up. Uh, that is a good place to drop messages to us. If you guys want to comment about past episodes or if your little Padawans want to chime in about an episode, send us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you guys. So once again, we're going to keep that contest open until April 4th. So all through March. Get those pictures in. Get those haikus on Twitter and Facebook. Get those messages to us. You're automatically be entered. We will pick a winner randomly out of all the entries, and we'll let you know. And we'll get that custom figure out to you. Just one winner? Just one winner. Do you want to be the winner? I am trying to get one of my friends to win it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, friends are open. You know, it just can't be uh, your mother or anyone like that. But, you know. <laughs> and everybody's welcome. So, there you go. That's right. So that wraps up this episode of the Padawan's Perspective. We'd like to thank everyone who joined us today. You can find our episodes directly on the Star Wars Report website, second airborne division of podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. So for the Padawan's Perspective, this has been Mark. Tay. Pharaoh. Barrent. So till next time, I'm sure everything will go horribly wrong. (laughs) Thank you for listening to our show. For more content, please like our Facebook and Twitter pages. 